don't beat yourself up when things fall through the cracks like we did with that girl doing work that she wasn't prepared to do and use it as a learning opportunity. That's what I did. What I want to do is use it as a learning opportunity. Now that you know what happened, how would you now turn around and tell somebody else on your team how to deal with that? And she goes, well, I would do, you know, she was scared, but I'm like, relax, you know? And she goes, I would do this, this, and this. I said, good. I want you to get out there and do that now. Just go out there. And I am going to tell everybody that you have a brilliant way of doing something and you have something you've learned that you want to teach them. They don't need to know anything else. And we're back in real life. So for anyone of you that don't know what we look like, I'm Damien Greathead and my co-host Penny Breslin. How are you, Penny? I'm okay. It's kind of really nice. I'm in Arizona and there was actually snow on the top of the mountain down here. Oh, wow. And Southern Arizona. So that was kind of cool. There was also snow in San Diego from what I heard. <laughs> so really? It's been, yeah. It was, well, at least down to a thousand feet. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So, and what takes you to Arizona? Well, combination. I hired another U.S. employee. She happens to be in Tucson. And also I have family here. I have a daughter and a granddaughter and a son-in-law and a sister that lives here and a nephew and a grandniece. Yeah, quite a big family in Tucson. I didn't realize it was, I knew your daughter and granddaughter were there, but I didn't realize your sister was as well. Yeah, my sister retired here from Boston Medical and her son lives here and her granddaughter lives here. So yeah, lovely. Yeah. And I, nice part of the world. My, her, yeah, her son and my daughter, like two weeks apart, and we all lived in Wyoming. So we kind of like co-raised those kids. Oh, so brilliant. It's like, she's my second mom, you know. So Yeah, yeah nice. So Penny, fresh back from Chennai after some time there, what are we talking about in today's session? Well, I've had a lot of people approach me in the last six or seven months who wanted to do outsourcing. And, you know, larger firms, it's one thing. You kind of approach it differently depending on the size of the firm. And whether it's you're outsourcing to somebody overseas or you're outsourcing to somebody in the United States or near shore, onshore, it doesn't matter. If you're going from a small one office person, whether you're even hiring somebody who's going to come into your office partially, you know, hybrid work, and you've been used to just kind of doing things your way with you, where you can reach out and touch everything, you have to give yourself a cushion before you start working. Because, you know, we were having this conversation in Chennai before I left with my partners in that, you know, they're like going, damn, the accounting is easy. Doing the accounting and the bookkeeping, doing a tax return, doing the audit prep, that's all easy. The hardest part we have is what comes before that. How well is it organized? How well is it delivered to us? How well is it communicated back to us on what we need to adapt to? Because they'll adapt. And the biggest problem that we always see is what comes up on the front end. And, you know, I've had people call me and they'll go, can you do this now? And I'm going, no, because you're not ready and it's a crunch period and you're going to expect us to do what you do without you telling us and have it done overnight tomorrow. Right. And they go, well, yeah, we hope so. And I go, and that's why you can't hire anybody because you're a jerk. And no, I don't want you. Yeah, you're expecting us to move mountains overnight or without any of the actual infrastructure that's required to move mountains. And this is outsourcing, but to your point, you can't hire anyone. But whether you're outsourcing, whether you're hiring your first employee, whether you're, you know, whether you're hiring another employee or maybe your first remote employee, 
all of this stuff is actually relevant because if you don't have all of the work prepped or the documentation, everything that's in your brain easily accessible and easily available to the team, then you're setting them up for failure, whether that's the employee, whether that's the virtual employee, whether that's the outsourcing partner, you're basically setting up to fail, aren't you, without that proper organization on the front end? Yeah. And if it's so difficult to hire good employees, why would you do that and set yourself up for failure? You know, I've had to hire two here in the United States in the last month. And I knew before I was doing it, I'd already planned I was going to do it before I even found them. So I had the day they logged in, I went, okay, here's your onboarding day. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. What do you want me to do now? I said, this is your job. Your job right now is to learn these things. Here are the links on what I need you to learn about how we work in our company. I'm not giving you any client work. I'm not going to give you a job other than get yourself comfortable with us for a while. You have any questions? I'm right here. Here's your, you know, I'm sending you links because invariably I'm going to give them something they've never seen before, an app they've never used. One of them who is, you know, she's extremely good at the accounting GL. She's very familiar with online cloud-based accounting systems. She had no problem with that, but there were other apps that we used internally she had never touched before. I had to give her the space to get comfortable with those before I started throwing crap at her, you know, which means I had to pay up front. I had to make sure she had an email address. I had to make sure she had a username and access to all the apps that we needed. I had to make sure that her payroll was all set and ready to go. All of that And still, she hadn't done any work that was what you would call billable, you know, because I had to give her the support she needed to learn about us. Whereas most firms are going to be probably maybe half a day on that onboarding and here's your login, here's how you get into the building, or here's how you log into the system. And And we needed that work done yesterday, so could you get to it? Yeah, yeah. And here's a pile of work, and we expect you to be billable by one o'clock this afternoon. But I think it's sort of funny. There is this conversation out in the accounting industry, the accounting profession, to say that it is hard to hire. And don't get me wrong, it's finding good quality people continues to be one of the challenges. But the firms that I talk to that do what you were talking about, Penny, that have an actual onboarding program for their employees that recognize that it's going to take time for people to learn new systems, to learn new processes, to meet their teammates and learn about the clients versus billable expectations straight out of the gate. Those firms don't seem to have the same challenges of other firms. They don't seem to have the high turnover of other firms. They don't seem to have the challenges of finding good people because lo and behold, referrals come in, that they get a reputation in the market. They're set up to be able to work flexibly and hire flexibly. And so I think there is this very much this two different streams of firms that probably the majority that sit under the bell curve that are finding it very difficult to hire. But there are those firms, top 20% of firms that have given thought to onboarding, that have given thought to the team member and employee experience who aren't having this issue. And, And it all comes down to, I think, as Penny said there, preparation, being prepared before this person walks through the door and what those first minutes, hours, and days are going to be. And hint, hint, it's not billable. Yeah, can't be. But in the long run, it's going to be, ROI is going to be good on it. One, you get and to I, keep the person. Yeah, well, I, I has the guess. When you when someone, when a firm's employing somebody, they've probably got a little bit more patience to allow somebody to get up to speed. I'm going to hazard a guess when they're hiring you and an outsourcing 
operation. They don't give you that same luxury. <laughs> oh, no. Their expectation is up here. Their ability yeah. to send us what they expect us to do is down here. And somewhere in the middle, shit rolls downhill. And guess where it rolls? To us. But it's interesting as well, though, because I'm, again, you know, I think your own rule back in November was we're not taking on any new clients and whatnot. And yeah. were these firms set up ready to go? Did they tell you that they were ready to go? And once you actually got in and started doing the work, like what was that experience? Well, there was one who begged me. Hmm. And I'm like, they said, we heard you're not taking any new ones. And, they said, oh, and I said, so hang on. So this was after November. This was after your no new client yeah. deadline that you promised to Miller and Shavilla. <laughs> they conned me at QuickBooks Connect. And they said, please. And I said, well, really, I can't do it. Right? I'm not going to. I'm just not. They said, well, how soon? And I said, well, tell me about your firm. Well, we've outsourced before. We understand it. We like it. We're completely cloud-based. We have all the processes and procedures documented. We just want to do it with you. And I said, well, if you've outsourced before, why aren't you sticking with the outsourcer you have? And they told me why. And I went, yeah, I can understand that. I've seen that happen a lot. And I said, so here's my dilemma. You're asking me to jump through hoops at the end of the year, which tells me that you've got some issues and backed up work, correct? No, we're pretty caught up. Everything's really caught up until the last month you know, of the year. We have to do the December closes, but everything prior to that is all good. And I said, and if we went in and we looked and these are all QuickBooks on, since we were at Connect, these are all QuickBooks online files, right? And we can go in and their bank feeds are all connected and you've got control of the statements and all the historical transactions have been accurate. Well, yeah, exactly. And I went, huh, okay. Pretty promising. Tell you what. Yeah, that's impressive. I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, we just are not getting the response they had hired, which was, you know, where somebody just left. They don't know response anymore. I've heard that a lot. Anyway, so I went, okay, well, this is how we roll, you know, and we don't work out of our homes. We work in an office, people on payroll, they get the equivalent of a 401k. We got medical insurance, you know, these are employees. They don't get up and leave. We get notice if they're going to leave and we have backup for them and I'll work with you and let's set this up and let's have a Zoom meeting. And, you know, we'll, I'll go back to my office and I'll kind of write out the contract. We'll get started on this day. Well, can we go a little bit sooner? And I went, no, no, come this day. That's it. I've got too much on my plate. My team has too much on their plate. And I was flying to India. So I knew I wasn't going to do this while I was flying to India. So long story short, we onboarded them and everything was fine. And they added us to everything and everything went smooth. And then the first flipping jobs they gave us had nothing to do with the goddamn cloud. It was in desktop and it was inventory purchasing and sales and loan management with no procedures, a five minute loom video. And then two weeks later, called us and said, why is this taking your team so long? So where was the disconnect? Was like, maybe well, I was ready to fire. <laughs> and <Yeah>. so <laughs> I was like, I said, I'm going to be back from it. You know, I'm going to organize this out. We're going to have a Zoom meeting. I talked to my team. I said, what's going on here? And when they told me what they were having to deal with, I went, holy shit. Okay. All right. 
We're going to have a meeting with them in three days. Well, when we go to have the Zoom meeting, by that time, Darnie, the head of the team lead, she goes, I think I've got this figured out and we've cut the time down considerably. And then they got on board and you know, they go, oh, didn't we tell you this? Oh, did. I guess that's the question. So where did it go wrong? And I'm just going to throw a couple <laughs> I of I took the thoughts. client. <laughs> I broke my rule. No, no, they're but, really Well, nice you took people. the client. <laughs> well, no, no but, but as it sounded like, it was a good experience in terms of the lead up. They onboarded you. They gave you access to different things. Mm-hmm. But then they sent you something that was completely well, different. Because they were to, in a crunch. They were in a yeah. crunch and they thought, well, let's just give it to them. And was it the case that the person that gave you the work was different to the person that you had the initial conversation with? Was that part of it as well? Yeah, because as you were saying that, you, I was like, oh, it sounds like sort of the left hand in the firm didn't know what the right hand in the firm were doing, let alone yourselves. I will say that, one, they were very, you know, they were very apologetic, understanding. My team figured it out. Luckily, as the women in my team say, they go, we're comfortable and we never feel pressure. They don't. They just don't because I understand they don't have anything bugging them. You know, they just come (laughs) in and they hang out. A bunch of women hang out and get their job done and they have fun doing it. I don't understand it because I could. Crazy idea. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, crazy. Absolutely. I couldn't do that. But they almost had a happiness to it because they figured something out. And then we had the Zoom meeting. I said, we're going to have the Zoom meeting anyways. And the Zoom meeting validated what they figured out. And then the person who was actually sending them the job, she did a fantastic job on the Zoom meeting of going, oh, by the way, and adding into it more context so that after 30 minutes, everybody was like, happy camper, and now things are moving smoothly. But that's what I mean by you need to give yourself some space. This is not... Well, you need to give yourself some space, but also you need to... Well, and maybe it is that space to think about it this way because in a traditional accounting firm, you could walk down the hallway and ask the questions. And even in a virtual, you could probably chat with somebody. But in two distinct time zones, it's very difficult to move that implicit knowledge that is in the head of the person that's been doing the work that knows the client that understands this so i think you make a good point is how do you make the space to actually brain dump so to speak beyond a five minute loom video all of this information that you've acquired over years of experience how do you get that information into a digestible format so that whoever picks up this piece of work can actually look at those contextual notes or listen to contextual notes to better understand how to handle that client. And I think that that's, you know, I always hammer on process and procedures and, and that's like, I'll write something up. We had a situation where we actually did the same thing to an employee that we had in India that our clients have done to us where it was a crunch period. And we usually, somebody will come on board with us and they're with us 30 days shadowing before we allow them to do all the work. And in this instance, because it was year end and because we were getting slammed and we had just finished the downstairs. And so things were still kind of discombobulated. We ended up putting somebody on a task that was unprepared for it. And as soon as the client pointed it out to me, she called me and I said, well, I'm flying home from India. Well, she didn't call me. She slacked me. Can we have a meeting? I said, well, I'm going to fly home from India. I'll be home on this day. Can we have the meeting that morning? Because they're on like three time zones. And I'm going, because I'll be awake. (laughs) 
Yep, no problem. <laughs> so we had the meeting, and as soon as she brought it up, I was like, oh, that was our fault. I am so sorry, and I apologize. And I was looking at the detail of who did the work, because I know who did the work. And then I looked at her hire date, and I went, what she shouldn't. <laughs> and I just went, so I said, we'll take care of it. We're going to fix all of that. You don't touch it. We'll fix it. And then I slapped because we had a lady that came to work for us about a year ago who was a teacher at the university. She taught maths and accounting and finance at the university. And she just really likes working with us. And so now she's a trainer. And I said, okay, here's what we have to do. And I want you to have in groups, I want you to bring in all the new hires for the last 30 days, and I want you to go through this with them. Because I have a funny feeling, this isn't the only one. Then I said to her, I said, and you tell me how you think you would approach this. Because me dictating to them is my process. But they, I might have missed something in there, right? Mm-hmm. I might have missed a step that they know that they have to do. So it always takes two people to figure out a good process at minimum, at minimum. So she came back to me and she goes, okay, I would add these two steps to it. I said, good. So we have took the old daycare room that was upstairs off of our workroom. So, you know, we moved it downstairs and we turned that into a self-contained training room and she recorded the whole thing. So I got to watch what she did. And yeah, I mean, she changed up a little bit of in a good way because she's an accountant. I'm not. And inculcated this training. Now, Maggie will put that in a Confluence database and people will have to sign out on that. And I'll know that somebody dealt with that training, watched that training or sat in that training session. And I'll know before we put them in that job. Okay, they've been trained on this. That's actually interesting from a a training standpoint, because obviously same as last year is without a doubt, the number one training methodology in an accounting profession. Look at what we did last year and work it out from there. But actually with the tools that we have available to us, there's no reason why you can't actually record what you did last year, record that whole experience, talk through what you're actually doing and loom or even on a Zoom or whatever it is. Loom's not good for that. Loom's good for about five minutes if you want to do it Loom with Zoom. Well, I think you might have to pay for the premium version of Loom. Yeah. Okay. Can I just bring this up? And it's a pet peeve of mine. But folks, I know you think that labor is cheap when you can go to a lower economic state or offshore, but you still have to pay. And I suggest highly for your own benefit that you pay to have emails under your domain being utilized by these people, that you pay for them to have their own individual users. Because that covers your goddamn ass. I mean, we've said that as well in in terms of like admin one, admin two, and staff one, staff, yeah, it's ridiculous. First of all, especially in the cloud where clients might be logging in, you don't want them to see my company domain email. You want them to see yours. Even if you've told them, you still want them to be comfortable and see yours. If you haven't told them, that's you. I don't care. Your problem, not mine. But the other thing too is, You get to control us. You get to turn us off like that. I can guarantee you I can turn somebody off in my company like that. We have a whole checklist and it's about 10 steps and I get it. Somebody's gone. I get the email and boom, boom, boom. Five minutes later, they're out. They're not in our system. They can't touch anything. They have no access to anything. And, uh, and it's a minimal cost for that sense of control, isn't it? I mean, in the whole grand scheme of things. An answer security. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I told a client a month ago, you want to do this so that if you don't like us, you can turn us off. And you know what? I know that I might take a hit. I guess that makes means that I have to do better at making sure you're happy. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, just this idea of from a sense of control, a security standpoint, sharing of passwords and usernames and all that type of stuff. It's the fundamental flaw in this whole virtual cloud-based world that to save a few bucks, you would risk all of that. It blows my mind. I think there's lots of things that say like cutting off your nose, spite your face. Pitching a penny to save a dollar, you know, what is it? You know, but, so. but going back though, I mean, there are so many more efficient, convenient ways in which you can build training materials for your team, loom for five minute tasks, record a Zoom and a screen share for some of the longer sort of multi-prong activities, put them into a confluence or a database of types. And I actually like that, that now all of a sudden you've got these videos that somebody has to review check that they've actually watched them you've got an audit you've got an audit trail that they've watched it and then give them with confidence the job knowing that they've at least gone through a series of steps and yes they will still have questions but they're going to be a hell of a lot better prepared for that particular task the way you want it done out of the gate versus just dumping a pile of you know what on their desk and hoping for the best and don't beat yourself up when things fall through the cracks like we did with that girl doing work that she wasn't prepared to do and use it as a learning opportunity. That's what I did. I mean, there was another one that um, I got hit with right before I left for India. And when I got to India, I had to talk to the girl because I was getting it as I was getting on the plane. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I'm going to have to address this. And it was like, listen, I don't want to jump on your case on this. What I want to do is use it as a learning opportunity. How would you now that you know what happened, how would you now turn around and tell somebody else on your team how to deal with that? And she goes, well, I would do, you know, she was scared, but I'm like, relax, yeah. And she goes, I would do this, this, and this. I said, good. I want you to get out there and do that now. Just go yeah. out there. And I am going to tell everybody that you have a brilliant way of doing something and you have something you've learned that you want to teach them. They don't need to know anything else. I think the other thing that is actually really important here is is the communication that has been, for the most part, very open, very candid, and both parties have been particularly open to communication. Yes, there's frustration which prompted all of this, but at the end of the day, it's a dialogue between two people trying to get a, a job done to a high level. And some people could take that yeah. conversation yeah, to a high expectation. Some people could take that and go off the deep end, whereas for the most part, it's actually, no, let's sit down and work out where we went wrong. Let's uncover that yeah. and let's work out how we don't do that again. Exactly. And believe me, it took me years to get to this Zen moment <laughs> to be able to do that. I don't, you know, but because I'm pretty volatile. My <laughs> brother said that when I told him I hired somebody, he goes, he goes do they know what you like? And I went, oh, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Danny, you know, hey, how many payrolls have you made? No, you just got a paycheck. There you go. But actually, and so going back to the whole sort of genesis of this conversation is whether you're hiring another employee, you might be a 10-person firm, you might be a five-person firm, you might be a 30-person firm, you might be hiring your first employee, you might be hiring your first virtual, or alternatively, you might be partnering with someone like Moneypenny to outsource work, which essentially is hiring a workforce. So you're hiring a team to partner with to get the work done. So how are you making sure that you're setting that person, that team, the rest of your team up for success 
And this whole onboarding and training and shadowing, I love that. They shadow somebody for a month. Imagine in, in a US firm, someone being unbillable for 30 days, Penny, what would happen? They don't get any emails or logons on anything until they've been with us for a month, except in the month of December, because we were getting slammed. And once I realized that happened when I got there, it was like, ladies, come on. But, you know, Namilla said, it's our job to make the client happy. I said, it goes both ways, Namilla. It goes both ways. So if we can't, don't have time to do the work because we don't have enough people, don't just throw somebody on it because you got to get it done. Just tell them, can we wait 24 hours? Can we wait 48 hours? Is this a high priority? Ask them. You have the right to do that. That's also an important thing about actually managing expectations. Yeah. Yes, there are people that need things turned around within 24 hours. And yes, the 31st of December is looming or a particular deadline is looming. But we're not putting people on the moon. It's not heart surgery. And having that conversation, the dialogue with the client to say, we're triaging the work. I just want to make sure I understand what's your highest priority and make sure we focus on that. Because to be honest, we're not going to get all of it done. So where would you like us to focus our attention? And having that conversation and that back and forth with clients, I I think is a really important part of the client management process. I think client service, unfortunately, is thought of just getting the work done as quickly as possible to the detriment of you and your team versus actually what's important to the client. Let's deliver on that at Paramount and then let's deliver the rest of the work, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, with bigger firms, it is a little bit easier. They are a lot more used to having to spread the workload and communicate even internally amongst each other. But I've seen an uptick in single person or two person bookkeeping and tax who, you know, like we have a couple of new tax clients who have never worked with anybody. They've always just done it on their own and they're overwhelmed. And, you know, one of them today, this morning, there was an issue and I went, oh, that's why. This is an easy fix. Yeah, I'll show you what you got to do. And he goes, good. He goes, I still have another week, but I know in another week it's going to be crazy. But he had called us and talked to us two months ago and said, during this time frame, this is when the work's going to come in. And I want to get started ahead of time to get all the kinks up before we get started. And that was, you know, that's the kind of client you want. Somebody, and even if you're bringing in a client as a firm and, and somebody comes to you and, you know, like I'll tell people when they approach me, like they'll call me because, you know, they think if they look at our website that we're going to take individual clients, which I tell them no. But occasionally, if somebody recommends us who's a friend or somebody that we do really good business with, that's a one-off, I'll talk to them and I'll say, you know, why didn't you do this a couple of months ago? Well, you know, I got kind of busy and I go, well, we're really busy right now. And you're not going to have a problem if you go to your CPA and file an extension and I'm going to put you on the back burner if you want to do work with us because I don't have the time to take this right now. And you call me. I'll have to know by this date if you're interested, or you can keep on trying some, you know, somewhere else. So here's a recommendation. This person might take you. I don't know. But you have to realize that everybody and their brother in this industry is busy right now. And next year, you might think about this in advance. I'm sorry. I'm a little school teacher for the people who call me. Like, 
But that actually got me didn't thinking. Didn't get your as homework well as, done. Didn't get your homework done. So that actually has got me thinking as you're sort of saying, one of the things that I'm seeing more and more of in firms, particularly smaller firms, one, two, three, four people firms, is actually the growth of things like Monday.com, Trello.com, Asana, and even mm-hmm. I think Microsoft's got a couple of workflow and task management type tools. Whereas yeah. previously, these smaller firms very much had things in their heads and, and the team sort of knew what was going on with each client. But what has happened is QBO and Zero and Dex and RelayFi and all that type of stuff have actually enabled us to be more efficient and take on more clients, which has sort of forced us to move what's in our head into these types of programs so we have a better control of things. I'm actually quite impressed and quite surprised by two and three, four-person firms with, I think, quite robust workflow tools in place and task management, which is actually pretty cool. We have one that she started off just by herself, and now she's up to, I think, three U.S. employees, and they're all over the country. And then she's got us in Chennai, and, you know, work just moves smoothly in the progression. She goes, okay, I have about 10 clients. Can you guys take care of them? And then it was like, I think I'm going to need another person, or I'm going to need another app. Let's put this in. And over the last four years, She's done a hellaciously great job. Mm. And the thing is, as she saw, and this is kind of what we're going through now because our company has grown and we have been documenting procedures in a particular way. And I see that that's become untenable. It's not fast enough. It's not organized well enough for the scale of employees that we have anymore. So Yeah, I spent a considerable amount of time doing research. I hired somebody specifically to do this, and she is building all of this. I've done it once before in another outsourcing company I did, so I know that at some point you have to kind of do it this way. But just like with this other client that we had, that as she was growing, she said, okay, what do I need next to make sure that this work that I've already got keeps on flowing and I have the space and capacity to bring in new work? And she's very methodical. (laughs) I mean, she's on my case. Like if I add somebody into her Slack channel, she'll call me up and go, who's that person? What do they do? (laughs) Well, they do this, this, and this. Oh, okay. Just asking. I mean, she's a controller. But she adjusts her business. She adjusts her business to meet the needs of her growth. And she has a plan in mind. And she knows that things might change. And she's always going, okay, is this still working? Is everything still working? Yeah. Okay, fine. Until it doesn't work. And then it's like, ah, things are starting to change a little bit. What do we need to do now? And she does it in advance. And it, it, she's doing really well. She's got five yeah, no, kids and she's running a hell of a business. <laughs> I think the youngest one's like four months old now. Oh, wow. Goodness. Oh, well, she's I amazing. Mean, well, you got to be prepared, you know, because you, you, you're going to have to step out of the business at particular points in time. So again, making sure you've given yourself the space to think about this idea of what happens when I step out of the business, the business can't stop. So what needs to be in place so that work continues to move so that I can step out with confidence, I can still have oversight, I still have control and and all that type of thing. And maybe that's the sort of the... She she called us the day she found out she was pregnant with the fifth (laughs) one and said, okay, we got four months before I take off on maternity leave. Let's get this thing started. And she got it. It's sort of interesting, like, I've got a deadline, I've got something to, and, and that's a bit like me, I know that I've got to do this by this point in time, and, and away we go. So so maybe that's the sort of the takeaway for listeners from today's episode, Penny, is 
what would it take for you to either step out of the business and what work happen, on it? Well, well, no, I was gonna I was gonna say what would happen if you had to step out of the business oh. and would the business run? What happens when an employee comes on? What happens when you when what would happen? What would need to happen to enable a virtual employee to take on an outsourcing partner? So think about that. And if you're sort of thinking, well, actually, there's so much that's reliant on me. The systems aren't right. The processes aren't right. I actually think, yeah, you do need to take some time out to work on it. Give yourself the space. I think you've said that a couple of times today and a couple of times over the the podcast. Generally speaking, you've got to step out and give yourself the space to think about what it is. Once you've actually given yourself the space, you don't need to do all the work. There are a whole host of people out there that can help you do that and get the systems right, get the processes right, get the tools right. You don't have to do it all, but you do need to have that first come to Jesus meeting, if you will, where it is about, okay, we've got some work to do. We've got to work on our business in order to enable it to grow and in order for it to be less reliant on me grinding day in, day out. Yeah, and in our office, we have come to Krishna, come to Jesus, and come to Allah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, we're only missing one, Yahweh. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it just, you know, it's it, everything is got a time and a place, and this is a real tough time for accountants. I've told my team, you know things are going to get testy. People are going to be uptight. And we have to just do what we can to support them because, you know, they're getting hammered on this side. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're aware of it, you know, so they let it roll. I try to let um, it roll too, but I'm not as good try, as You them. try to let it roll for, <laughs> for a period of time. Right, Penny, I think that's a great place to, right. to leave today's episode. Yeah, I'm going to go to a wine tasting with my daughter now. Fantastic. You enjoy that. I hope people have enjoyed seeing us have the conversation in real life. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have enjoyed today's episode, please do write a review. Do give us a rating. That'll help us get the good word out about strategy in the virtual controller. Penny, always good to see you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.